Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. Hello, hello, everyone. Today, we are going to talk about pharmaceutical drugs. And we've got an actual pharmacist here to talk about this. My good friend and colleague, pharmacist Ben Fuchs. He is a wealth of knowledge and an inspiring speaker. In fact, it was him that first really made me see the light on this whole health thing. I had been reading the books and taking the products, but I still didn't really get it until I saw Ben speak for the first time. And that was about nine years ago. He's been a great mentor to me ever since. We've done tons of talks and podcasts and radio shows. And, and today, this recording was from a couple of years ago, 2021, I think. It was an Instagram Live for my account, Wallach's Warriors, and his account, at truth.treatments. All the links are in the description of the podcast, of course, and you can find everything that I do, including all the books that I've written and helped publish. Most of them are about health, and the free audiobook versions of my books, and an archive of this podcast, which even has some episodes that have not been posted here, because this podcast was taken down earlier this year, 2023 we relaunched and not everything is posted yet but you can see the archive and you can download them for free on notusbooks.org and of course all my social media accounts instagram and youtube and so on they're all on the website as well notusbooks.org and with that being said let's jump into the recording the recording is a little bit rough by the way but it is definitely worth it all right hello everybody we're going to be letting pharmacist ben fuchs on here it's one of my favorite humans in this business, this alternative health business, and not just because he's a pharmacist, uh, but actually every time I get him on here, we usually talk about nutrients. He's very knowledgeable about nutrients. He's very knowledgeable about all kinds of things. He's an avid reader, absolutely, but I realize we've never actually gotten him on here to talk about drugs, and we do get a lot of people asking us about drugs. I'm going to open this up while we wait for him to get on, and I'm going to mention that I did make a video last year called The Two Worst Drugs, and in that video we described that statin drugs and stomach drugs, those two types of drugs, statin drugs 
and stomach drugs. If someone's on either of those two drugs, we really don't actually expect any improvement. All drugs are bad in some way. Some of them are necessary in some cases, uh, particularly painkillers. You know, you get hit by a car, you want morphine or something, you know, you'll be very glad that you'll have morphine or something. But if you're on a statin drug, which stops your body from utilizing cholesterol properly, or if you're on a proton pump inhibitor, Ben's joining right now, or if you're on a proton pump inhibitor or something that stops your stomach acid from working, those two processes, cholesterol and stomach acid, are so important that at that point, it doesn't even matter what supplements you're on and everything like that. Hey, Ben. Hey, Ryan. What's up, buddy? Not much. Good to see you. I was just laying out the groundwork here because you're going to go into some detail on drug categories. And I've already been saying for a long time that there's two drug categories that we really, really care about in this business. I mean, I don't know about you. Not pain. Statin drugs and proton pump inhibitors. I expect them to still get some results if they're on pain drugs. Let me tell you about pain drugs. I love love pain drugs. I praise God every day for pain drugs. In emergencies, yeah? Oh, my God. Everybody should have some Percocet in their medicine cabinet. Just in case. Just in case. I'm telling you. Did I ever tell you the story about my knee surgery? I think you did, but you might as well tell the audience. I I don't know. You ever have knee surgery? Nope. Whenever I see somebody who hurts their knee on like in a basketball game on TV or football or something like that, I, I can always tell it's the knee because they roll around on the ground in complete agony. They lose, they, lose, they lose all their bearings. They just are so consumed with the pain. There's nothing like a, like a knee injury. It's the most agonizing thing. I've heard, I've heard kidney stones are bad and, and pregnancy, and I, you know, I don't have experience with either of those, but pain, knee injuries are unbelievably agonizing. Uh, and so anyway, I, I hurt my knee pretty badly playing baseball many years ago. And uh, I remember them wheeling me out of the operating room after the knee surgery. And I remember lying on the gurney and hearing this voice coming out of my body that was like out of my control. I had just heard this voice go, morphine, <laughs> give me morphine, just like that. And I, I was like, who is that? But it was me. And I didn't even know I was saying that. I, It was like some disembodied voice begging for morphine. But the point is, I wasn't saying plant-derived minerals, vitamin C. I was saying morphine. That's all I wanted was morphine. I was very glad they had it. I I was thinking back to this book that I read about uh, surgery in the 16th century, where they had to cut your parts of your body off or cut into your body while people held you down. (laughs) because <laughs> there was no because there was stuff no and things in your mouth and yeah yeah there yeah give you something to bite on or something like that you know you can only imagine what the world must have been like without anesthesia or without pain pills so praise god for pain pills and anesthesia also uh, and antibiotics while they have a downside obviously today we have antibiotic resistance and uh, they can wreak havoc on the digestive system obviously uh, they've been very life-saving. So those two classes of drugs, antibiotics and anesthes- anesthetics and pain pills, um, are very valuable. The problem with drugs is the chronic use of them when you take them long-term. You know, if you're on a course of antibiotics for two weeks or four weeks, that's one thing. If you're on a pain pill for, you know, a week or even a couple hours or, or like one day or something like that, if you have dental surgery, that's one thing. But to be on a statin drug, an antihypertensive drug, an anti-glycemic or anti-diabetic drug for days uh, or for weeks and months and years and even a lifetime. Sometimes people say, doctors will say, you're going to be on this medicine the rest of your life. That's a problem. 
if we're on a medication for a chronic long-term issue, what that's doing is several things. Number one, it's disguising the symptoms. It's not helping you. And this is kind of a, a myth. And probably your, you know, your, your viewers and your friends and your followers don't, aren't falling for this myth. But the general public has a myth that drugs somehow cure people or drugs somehow heal people. That's not what they do. That's not even their role. They don't do that, and nobody pretends that they do that. Except drugs, antibiotics, if it's killing something that is causing a disease directly. But they still don't cure anything. The body's doing the curing. They're killing, they're killing the bacteria. They're not doing any, any cure, anything curative. You know, it, even the word cure is verboten in medicine. You can't say cure because nothing cures. I don't even use the word cure. You know, when I go on George Norrie, George is always, he's, he's kind of a very conservative guy, and he's always got to correct me. He says, oh, no, we can't cure anything. I said, George. It has nothing to do with cure. Cure is magic. We're not talking magic here. We're talking science. In science, we don't say cure. We say reverse. And people ask us all the time for a cure, too, and are saying no your cure. doctor can't even tell nothing you that. Nothing is no you cure. Know. Cure is a, mag is a magical thing. We're talking reversibility, reversing. Uh, disease is a biochemical process. What we're talking about is reversing the process. Going in the opposite direction. Yeah. A verb. You know, it's not a noun. It's a verb. If you're running, you can stop running. If you're going running forward, you can run backwards. When you have a verb, you can go backwards. You can reverse it. It's all about reversibility. Drugs do not reverse. Drugs do not cure. They hide symptoms. But here's the most insidious factor about the use of drugs that nobody talks about. So maybe you do, possibly, and I know I do, but very few people talk about this. When you take a prescription drug, we all know that there's going to be side effects to any prescription drug. It's inevitable. In fact, side effects is kind of a misnomer. Their effects. Side effects sounds like it's an. They're guaranteed. Basically, some some side effect is going to be some effect. Is a negative it's effect is guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. The, the 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 term side effect implies it's a whoopsie. Oh, whoopsie! It's a little accident. No, it's not. It's an effect. It happens to be tangential to the effect you're looking for, but it's not a side effect. It's an effect. So that's first of all. And we all know that there's effects i.e. so-called side effects to drugs. We all know about that, but here's what we don't recognize. And this is not gonna be on the package insert of adverse, you know, the package insert that comes with drugs has adverse reactions and side effects on it. There's no, what I'm gonna tell you now is not on the adverse reaction list. It's not on the side effect list, yet it's the biggest problem there is with taking a drug. When you take a prescription drug, your body does not recognize that compound. That's the definition of a drug. It's something that's not recognized by the body that's somehow in, interacting with the body to create uh, an effect. That's why food is not drug. Food has, medic has medicinal effects, but they're not drugs. Mm. Drugs are something that's not recognized by the body. Drugs are molecules that are not recognized by the body. So the body mobilizes its detoxification machinery immediately as soon as you take a drug. And this is why, by the way, uh, when you take a prescription drug, you have to take a higher dose than you need. The dose that the doctor gives you and the dose that the drug company recommends is higher than you need because they have to account for the fact that the body's detoxifying the drug. So they have to, they have to raise the dose to account for the, what's called first pass effect. First pass effect is the liver detoxifying the, the dose that you're taking, so they have to raise the dose. Does that make sense? You follow what I'm saying? They have to give you a higher yep. dose to account for the detoxification. But that detoxification requires vitamin C. It requires magnesium. It requires copper. It requires coenzymes. It requires the B-complex, thiamine, and niacin, and, and pantothenic acid. In other words, when you take a prescription drug, your body has to mobilize its precious nutritional resources to clear that drug out. And now, any deficiencies that you may have had 
that in fact may have caused been the reason uh, caused the problem in the first place that you're taking the drug for are now going to be amplified. Mm. It's going to maximize nutritional deficiencies that can show up as further health challenges that won't be listed as side effects. That you won't know that they're side that you won't even think of as a side effect. You may get a heart attack from taking your statin drug because your body is depleting its vitamin C and magnesium for, to detoxify the statin drug, and that's not going to show up the, as a side effect. That's going to be just an additional disease that you may have that, that will show up as a an additional illness that you have. There, nobody's going to attribute it to the statin drug causing a nutritional deficiency or any other drug for that matter. You follow what I'm saying? So these nutritional deficiencies that are secondary to the prescription drug that are the manifestation of the body using those nutrients to clear the drug out are not recognized. Nobody even notices it, which is why for anybody out there listening, if you're on a drug chronically, it's extra important that you get on the Mighty 90 Essential Nutrients. It's extra important that you use your Beyond Tangy Tangerine throughout the day. It's extra important that you supplement uh, especially, particularly with liver supplements and with uh, detoxification supplements like vitamin C and vitamin E. So the more prescription drugs you're taking, the greater your needs for nutritional supplements, which is ironic because most people think, well, I'm on a prescription drug. Now it doesn't really matter. I'm on a prescription diet. It's going to take care of my health. It's problem. doing the work, right? It's doing the work for me. Exactly. But it's and creating course, way more demands than the stuff course, you were already lacking. Yeah, exactly. You're already probably lacking nutrients because that's probably why you have your hypertension or you have your heart disease or you have your diabetes or whatever it is that you have. So that's an insidious, uh, an insidious effect of prescription drugs that nobody ever talks about. Uh, also, of course, when you're on a prescription drug, because they're not, a, they're not really fixing the problem, the problem persists. And while you may not see that the biochemical imbalance that's causing the hypertension is still there because the drug artificially lowered your blood pressure, it's still there. You're still dealing with metabolic syndrome. You're still dealing with glycation. You're still dealing with any kind of toxicity that's in inducing the hypertension or the stress or inflammation or whatever it is that's causing it. You haven't solved the problem. So there's by any measure, using a prescription drug is not in your interest in the long term. In the short term, whether it's an antibiotic or a pain pill or perhaps even an a, a antihypertensive or a thyroid medication in the very short term, you may get some symptomatic relief and maybe keeping you in the game. So there may be some rules, a role for that. But chronic long term, if you're on a prescription drug, your number one health challenge should be to figure out how to get off of that. And this is for all. We haven't even gone, gone into any specific types of drugs. All of any drug. Rule of thumb. All prescription drugs. If you're on a prescription drug, chronic long term, your number one health challenge, your number one health goal should be to try to figure out how can I wean myself off that drug. And by the way, when you're on a prescription, if a doctor, if you're interacting with a physician, you know, you have a, a, a doctor, a family practice doctor, some doctor who you're going to on a regular basis, and he puts you on a drug, you want to, and you want to get off of it, it's your right to get off of it. You know, my the doctor, doctor works for you. It, the doctor works for you, exactly. So you want, to, you want your doctor to participate. You don't want to do things without his participation because you have this de facto agreement with him. You have like a de facto verbal contract with him. It's not a written contract, but there's like a... There's like a it's a, a social kind of, pressure more than anything. Well, no, that's an agreement. You have an agreement with him. I'm going to you as a physician. I, you're going to help me. And he puts you on a drug. It's not fair to the doctor to just stop taking the drug. You know, if Ryan, if, you, if you're counseling somebody... Do you want that? And you tell them what to get to go on. You know, if they want to stop doing it, they should be working with you to do it because you're working with them. You're taking your time. You're taking your energy. You're taking your brain power to work with that patient. 
It's you want to be you want to be participating with your healthcare practitioner. Oh, one of the most annoying things I hear is, "Oh, yeah, I was doing it for a little bit and then I stopped." We're saying, "Yeah, exactly." At least a certain amount of time. It, you don't take antibiotics for four days and then stop. It's just twelve and, days or eighteen plus, days. You know. Plus, you spend a lot of time. You know, you spend a lot of effort. And with a physician, it's the same way. You know, most physicians are good people. They want to help their patients. There are there are obnoxious doctors. Like there's obnoxious plumbers. And there's obnoxious electricians and any other profession. And there's you know, excuse my French, asshole doctors, like there's asshole plumbers and asshole electricians and any other profession. But for the most part, physicians are trying to help you. Yeah, they're, they believe what they're doing. And, you know, we disagree with what they're doing. But if you go to a doctor and you want to wean yourself off your meds, tell your doctor what you're doing. Tell him, I want it. If he says, no, I don't want you to, find another doctor. But you want to work with the physician. You don't, you know, it's not fair to him to just stop taking your medication if, he, if you've been in agreement with him that you're going to take your meds. And by That's the way, Ben, we should, we should jump in here and give this disclaimer that actually legally, I'm not allowed to tell you whether to take a drug or not. I'm only allowed to tell you that your doctor works for you. It's your decision. And yes, we always recommend if somebody put you on a drug, talk to them, yeah. let them work with you, let them yeah. monitor you as well. There can be some sort of shock to the body if you just drop a drug. Some drugs. Know, depending on the drug, there's so many drugs out there. Blood thinning drugs, serotonin reuptake inhibitor drugs, steroid drugs. Those are drugs you don't want to necessarily stop taking right away. You know, so, so work with your physician. It's your right to do it, though. It's your right to say no. He works for you, like you said. You know, although these days doctors work for the government, they work for the HMO, they work for the hospital, they don't work for us anymore. Like, I don't know if you remember those days, Ryan, when the doctors did house calls and you actually paid the doctor. The I don't, money. I don't. Yeah. But along with what you're saying, like, I have a family doctor, by the way, and I haven't seen him in many years, but I never considered him a bad guy. You know, yeah. I had all these health problems. I had what I would call now stiff man syndrome. He really couldn't help me, but he put me on. He said, let's, let's see. Let's see what I said. Doc, this isn't really working. I'm drowsy. You know, he said, well, okay, let's, let's stop taking not, it. It wasn't a bad guy. Is my point. You know, he was guy. trying to help. They're, he just didn't know what to do. No, they're good people. I have a lot of friends who are physicians. They're really good people. For the most part, they're really, really good people. It's the model. It's the paradigm. It's the pharmacomedical model that says, oh, you got a problem. I'm going to get medicalized. Oh, there's a viral infection. I'm going to get inoculated. Oh, there's a, I have a little, I have a cough and a cold. I have a cough and, a, and I'm sneezing. I'm going to go to the emergency room. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this idea that we can become medicalized to get uh, to, uh, for our health, in our health, uh, in our health interest. Medicine is not about health. And doctors are not about health. Key they're, about, point. They're, they're about controlling symptoms. They're about making life better. They're, like, uh, they're, they're about palliation. It's palliative care, meaning it's symptomatic care. It's not about health necessarily. Now, in our ignorant culture, our health ignorant culture, we've abdicated responsibility for our health and power. Uh, there's a power vacuum in the health world. So we've, we've given up our power, so there's a vacuum, so the medical model has taken over. But the real role of medicine is to patch you up. It's to keep you going if you have some kind of health problem until you can figure out the issue. It's not to cure you or, or, or to improve your health. That's original role is not to improve your health. It's to make things better for you, to relieve your symptoms. That's really the role of medicine is to relieve your symptoms or, God forbid, you break a bone or you have some kind of trauma to stitch you up. Well, that's where they shine. Other than that, it's about our, we, have to, we have to recognize that our health is our business. It's about our lifestyle. It's about the choices we make. The vast majority of our health issues are, are lifestyle issues. Well, of course, so the biggest mistake that most people make is waiting until something breaks 
to go to the doctor. It's like not changing your oil and waiting until your engine seizes and going That's into your mechanic. Your mechanic's going to be like, well, you need to replace your whole engine now. You should have done your oil change. That's right. right. You should have taken your vitamins. You should have avoided right. the bad foods. You should have, you, know, you know, exercise, whatever. And you know what? There's a lot of money to be made in this kind of, of uh, major surgeries or, or replacements of body parts. You know, of course. hip replacements and knee replacements and shoulder replacements. These are huge income sources for the pharmacomedical model. Uh, heart bypasses and, and uh, stents and various uh, cardiovascular procedures. These are all huge money makers. They make tens of thousands of dollars. A, heart, a, a bypass could be a $50,000, $60,000, $70,000 procedure. That's a lot of money. You know, hundreds of thousands of these a year at $70,000 a pop, do the math. I mean, there's, there's huge numbers that we're talking about. Well, in Canada, I'm from Canada. The, um, I think one of the biggest tragedies is that we don't see that cost personally, right? Terrible. The government pays it. It doesn't matter if they're paying $65 for gloves, it's you know, terrible. $25 for a, a needle tube or something like that. It's, it's billed to the insurance. It's billed to the government. Don't worry about it. I've had Dude. people say, hey, my diabetic medication only costs me $2 a month because... Uh, the government insurance right. program. Well, that's terrible. It shouldn't be cheap to manage right. your problems, and it shouldn't be cheaper than it w would be to be on a healthy nutrition program, which yeah. would be about two to ten dollars a day for you know and a you decent program. The, and you don't want your doctor working for the government. You want the doctor working for you, you know, uh, wherever you can find it. But when the doctor works for the government, that's a big problem. Because Canada, you know, man, the last year or so, or last couple of years, three, four, five years in Canada, but especially now. What the heck is going on in that country? Holy moly. It's another world, let me tell oh, you. God. I used to think I wanted to live in Canada. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ben, I've got some uh, specific things written down here that I'd like you to go into if you could. Someone yeah. actually asked on here as well about steroids. Yeah. And you mentioned steroids. That was something I had on here. Now, we know that uh, the steroid hormones, your natural steroid hormones, are, are produced and derived from cholesterol in conjunction with several other nutrients like vitamin D and all that. And we consider asthma to be a steroid deficiency. I don't know if you would agree with that simplistic statement, but it's basically a deficiency in these nutrients that you need to produce your own steroid hormones. And you mentioned that it might not be a good idea to get off of a steroid, any form of steroid, right away. Could you go more into steroids? Yeah, and yeah when you take a steroid, particularly uh, what they call glucocorticoids, which are like uh, prednisone, for example, uh, cortisone, uh, cortisol, when you take these kinds of hormones uh, exogenously from the outside, your body suppresses its own natural hormone production. And mm -hmm. then you stop taking the hormones, now you're, nat you're low. Your body, it takes your body a while to build up hormones. So if you stop right away, you're going to be very low in your natural anti-inflammatory and protective hormones for a while. So you want to wean yourself off slowly off dexamethasone, for example, which they give after, after surgery. Wean yourself off slowly. They'll, they'll, give you, uh, they'll tell you to take five on, on Monday, four on Tuesday, three on Wednesday, two on, thir uh, two on Thursday, et cetera, so that your body has a chance to build up its own natural steroids. If you, take them all, if you stop withdraw all at once, you're going to be deficient and you can run into problems. Steroid hormones are two, come in two classes generally, that's a generalization, but there's two classes. There's the reproductive steroid hormones, and then there's the anti-inflammatory steroid hormones. So when you talk about steroids, you know, sometimes people are talking about things like prednisone, which is an anti-inflammatory. They use that for itching, or they use that for arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. You know, I, when steroid hormones were first discovered, that was a revolution. That changed the face of medicine and patient care more dramatically than anything, say, perhaps pain pills. What happened before prednisone came out, when you had an inflammatory or an autoimmune disease, it was hideous. 
I remember I saw this movie in pharmacy school. Uh, uh, they, it, it was from the 1950s. And they showed, the, or the 1940s actually, they showed this lady uh, at a medical conference, a patient, and she was walking up the, uh, through the audience and going up the stage, and she had a condition called rheumatoid arthritis. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen rheumatoid arthritis, but yeah. it is a really agonizing health challenge, awful condition, where you're, you know, your fingers like this. Can, you all gnarled up, yeah. Everything's gnarled up, and you walk, you can't walk, it's painful to move, and it's just, it's an autoimmune disease, and basically it's a food condition, like all autoimmune diseases, but nobody knew it back then. And so when you had rheumatoid arthritis, there was nothing they could do about it. And this was a, a medical conference where they were introducing prednisone. This was, like I say, in the 1940s. They didn't really have, they didn't, before the 1940s, they didn't really have an ability to synthesize these, these steroid drugs. So anyway, uh, they showed the lady the next day after she began prednisone, and she's like walking up the stage, like bounding up, and she's, all, she's a normal woman. And everybody cheered and applauded. And, and this was the kind of impact prednisone had on the culture when it came out. It revolutionized medicine. But what they didn't know at the time was that, as I said, as I said when you take prednisone, you suppress your body's own uh, steroids, number one. And because prednisone is an immune suppressant, you run the risks of other immune diseases, not to mention the fact that steroid hormones, prednisone, can create a whole, uh, has a whole slew of toxic side effects. But nonetheless, for autoimmune diseases and for inflammatory diseases, it was somewhat revolutionary. So that's one class of steroid drugs. The in those cases, the side effects might not be as bad as the agony of the exactly. inflammation. Exactly, exactly. Now, so if you didn't know about food, you didn't know about the ca real cause of autoimmunity, you didn't, you, you, didn't have any, you, you didn't believe you had an alternative, it was amazing that you could take prednisone. It was, you know, it, it was transformative. It was like you thought maybe it came from God. It was like a divine thing. And you can't blame people for thinking that. So uh, the second class of steroid drugs are the reproductive hormones. And those, are, uh, those themselves are subdivided into the anabolic hormones. Those are the ones you hear people taking when they're bodybuilding. And growth, yeah. Taken or, uh, you know, in baseball a few years ago, 10, 50, uh, 20 years ago now, there were a lot of baseball players. Or, you know, I don't know if you follow baseball at all, but baseball players used to be like normal, normally shaped <laughs> people. And then... Then in the 90s, all of a sudden, they were like, you know. Yeah, this became monsters. It became monsters, right? Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco and all these guys. Because they were doing these anabolic, anabolic means building, these anabolic steroids. And they were just changing their entire body's constituency. And they were hitting the ball 500 feet, <laughs> you know, 500 foot home runs routinely. And Barry Bonds was hitting 70 home runs when nobody, you know, the, the, world, the record was 60. And he was hitting 70 and 75 home runs. And he was completely changing the sport. Those are anabolic uh, 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 steroids, testosterone most most dramatically, but also there's other ones. Androstenone. Uh, there was one called androstenedione that got really big for a while, and there's a few of them. Those are anabolic steroids. Then there are the female reproductive hormones, and those are the ones women will take when they're going through menopause. Largely, they're estrogen, but also to a certain extent progesterone and uh, and, and estrogen derivatives. And those as well have toxic profiles, especially around cancer, because estrogen is a, a growth hormone. It's a growth substance. It stimulates cell division, and it's associated with various cancers, as well as various uh, female health problems. So it's a mixed bag, but for women who are dealing with, uh, with health issues that are, the, that are due to deficiencies in estrogen, you know, it can be, it can be, a very, uh, it can be a, 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 an important way to eliminate hot flashes and uh, depression and weight problems, et cetera. So uh, estrogen for a long time, not so much anymore, but for a long time, it was like the number one and number two best-selling drug, Premarin. 
it was called, which stands for pregnant mare urine, because the way they got it was by keeping horses uh, permanently pregnant, basically. And they kept them in pens, and they would just milk them of their, uh, of their hormones, their pregnancy hormones. Estrogen is a pregnancy hormone, not a hormone that makes you pregnant, but a hormone that uh, develops the fetus inside the womb. When a woman's estrogen drops, she loses her female uh, a lot of her female characteristics, her female sex characteristics. For example, when a woman's estrogen drops after she has a baby, she'll lose her hair. Her hair will start to get thinner. Uh, estrogen is associated with, uh, with uh, femininity. There was a book that came out in the 1960s called Feminine Forever. And this changed the way women looked at menopause. In this book, Feminine Forever, this doctor uh, wrote about how what a miracle estrogen was for women who were going through menopause. And that's really what set off this estrogen revolution that continues to this day. To this day, women are still using estrogen when they're menopausal, although now we know that estrogen is so, so dangerous that it has to, number one, be balanced out, out with progesterone. And also, the dose on estrogen is extremely small. When I was when I was compounding estrogen creams, and now doctors will use estrogen creams a lot because creams allow steroids to be released into the bloodstream very slowly, topical creams and serums and such, allow the, the hormones to be released into the blood very slowly to mitigate side effects. Uh, when I was formulating uh, estrogen creams, um, if I was off by like a milligram per 100 grams, the woman would be depressed, she would be tired, she would be fatigued or anxious, or she'd get hot flashes, or she'd have all kinds of symptoms, weight gain issues if you're off by just a tiny amount, because estrogen is so, so potent. Estrogen I've seen them grow mustaches All of that hormone replacement. Well, from hormone replacement. Estrogen is the most powerful of all the hormones, of all the steroid hormones. If you look at the steroid hormone um, synthesis tree, it all starts, as you said, from cholesterol. And then cholesterol gets turned into various hormones downstream. The bottom, the last hormone on the de on the, in the stream or on the tree is estrogen. And that means that the body can't really transform it. Up the tree, the body can't transform the various things to make them safer. So the hormones at the top of the tree, at the top of the synthesis tree, uh, are safer. Cholesterol is at the very top. But underneath that, you have progesterone. You have pregnenolone. You have DHEA. And these are so gentle, uh, relatively gentle, compared to the ones at the bottom, that they don't require a prescription. You can get them at a health food store. You get them on the internet. Because they're at the top of the tree. And that allows the body to, to break them down into safer, uh, safer molecules. At the bottom, there's nowhere for them to go. And those ones are so toxic that they're actually controlled substances. Estrogen and testosterone, which are in the bottom, are controlled substances. You, you need to, they have the same status as like Vicodin and opium and morphine. Not quite as, not, not quite as scheduled as morphine, but you know, they're schedule, three, uh, schedule four and schedule five, which is a controlled substance. I mean, when I feel I have a pharmacy, you know, I have a pharmacy now. Uh, yep. Pharmacy. So when I you can plug that, by the way, Boulder is it in Boulder? Yeah, it's in Broomfield, which is just outside Boulder. Um, yeah, but it's all skincare though. What's so, it called? It's called Truth RX Dermatology Pharmacy. Truth RX. Go check it out if you're in the area, guys. Yeah, so you can go to thetruthrx.com. Um, but anyway, so uh, when I'm if I'm going to fill a script for estrogen or testosterone, I need a hard copy. I can't do it up from a phone. Most prescriptions you can get on the phone. The doctor can call you up and just tell you what you want. But with estrogen and testosterone and other controlled substances, you need a hard copy. So that's how, that's how, uh, that's how toxic, uh, that's how serious those drugs are. At the top of the scale, DHEA is an amazing substance, very important for anti-aging, and the body can turn it into testosterone. It can turn it into androstenedione. It can turn it into estrogen. It can turn it into other things. Pregnenolone 
is one of the all-time great steroids, non-toxic. You can use it for, uh, uh, you can get it over the counter for, for uh, stress relief. Pregnenolone is an anti-stress substance, great for adrenal, people who have adrenal fatigue issues. It's relaxing. Uh, it's it's anti-inflammatory. Uh, progesterone, which is also on the top, it balances out estrogen, as I said earlier. Progesterone gets its name because it's progestation. Own means hormone. Whenever you hear own, O-N-E, like progesterone, you're talking about a hormone. Progesterone is progestation hormone. So for women trying to get pregnant, progesterone is the perfect substance to take. It's progestation. It's pro-pregnancy. Would Est you recommend that above the standard nutritional advice? Like yeah. eating good oh, fats? Well, yeah, no, I wouldn't recommend it above it, but I recommend it along with it for women who are trying to get pregnant, for sure. Okay. The thing about progesterone, progesterone is relaxing. Progesterone helps you sleep. Progesterone is a bodybuilding substance. Progesterone is, uh, balances out all of the untoward effects of estrogen. Estrogen is a stress hormone. Estrogen makes you, uh, gives you anxiety. Estrogen is associated with weight gain. Estrogen is associated with water weight. Estrogen is associated with breast tenderness and fibroids and cysts and endometriosis. Uh, progesterone balances all that out. Estrogen is associated with cancer so much so that doctors today will never give estrogen, or they shouldn't anyway. Sometimes they do, but they shouldn't give progesterone or estrogen without giving progesterone. You always give a progesterone, uh, progesterone with, with estrogen. By the way, there's a form of progesterone. Drug companies don't like progesterone because it's not patented. It's not patentable. So you can get progesterone cheap. I have a progesterone serum that you can get at TruthRx for people who are interested. In fact, um, you know Taylor, right? Taylor mailed me some pictures of this gal who was using my progesterone serum, and she was noticing some dramatic effects on her, on her physiology from this progesterone. She just like what kind of effects? Uh, Bodybuilding effects. Okay body toning effects, we'll say. Um, so uh, anyway, so progesterone, uh, drug companies don't like the fact that progesterone is not patented. So they have a substance called medroxyprogesterone, which is a form of progesterone that's tweaked. You know, drug companies like to tweak the molecule so they can patent it. And they well, they have to, yeah, but, patent it. Yes, that but the problem is now you have a toxic substance again. You've taken this wonderful, safe, benign, natural molecule progesterone, you tweaked it, you made it toxic. Doctors aren't really hip to all this stuff. So they just do whatever the salesperson tells them. So a lot of times when women get that Premarin or an estrogen, they get medroxy progesterone. Don't do that. Get yourself real progesterone. Tell your doctor you want real progesterone, not medroxy progesterone. But progesterone has just got some wonderful benefits just for, just for well-being, along with pregnenolone and along with DHEA, which are at the top of the tree. And they help balance out the molecules at the bottom of the tree. Uh, but like you say, one of the best ways to support estrogen and progesterone is take care of your blood sugar. In fact, all the things that we have to do to stay healthy will help us make natural hormones. All these steroid hormones, by the way, are, depend on essential fatty acids. So one of the reasons that people don't make the hormones that they need to make is because of essential fatty acid deficiencies or malabsorption of fats, gallbladder problems, liver problems, intestinal problems. Another issue is Estrogen is really potent, but estrogen, uh, ha its potency is mitigated by the body's detoxification system. So estrogen is detoxified in the liver. Broccoli, cruciferous vegetables are really helpful, by the way, for helping detoxify estrogen, which, like I say, has a toxicity profile. And also estrogen is cleared out through the bowels. If you're constipated or if you have a liver problem or if you're malnourished, 
your estrogen will not be eliminated as effectively and your uh, estrogen may not be detoxified as effectively and when that happens super estrogen will build up which is an extra super strong form of estrogen that is associated with all kinds of health problems in fact it's literally called super estrogen well it's called they're called estrogen metabolites they're actually called catechol estrogens technically i call them super estrogen <laughs> But, but technically, they're called catechol estrogens. Catechols amplify the effect of estrogen. And these catechol estrogens wreak havoc on the body, and they're responsible for a lot of health issues, which is to say that if you have estrogen problems, endometriosis, fibroids, fibromyalgia, breast tenderness, lousy periods, history of cancer, uh, or you're worried about cancer, polyps, any kind of gross, it could be because you're not purifying or detoxifying estrogen at the level of the liver and so catechol super estrogens are building up or it could be that you're not eliminating estrogen if you're constipated and interestingly there's a vicious circle here because estrogen elevated super estrogen or even elevated estrogen will suppress the thyroid and women nine out of ten hypothyroid patients are women women are much more susceptible to hypothyroidism than men largely because it's an estrogen issue and there's this uh this uh, a, pro a patient profile of a woman who has weight problems, has problems sleeping, skin issues, uh, losing hair, dry skin, crepey skin, aging skin. All of this is associated with the buildup of estrogen and a subsequent suppression of the thyroid, which causes more estrogen to build up via constipation and then more thyroid suppression and more estrogen to build up and more thyroid suppression. And you get this downward vicious spiral, all of which can be... Uh, can be uh, broken, this, this, this spiral can be broken, this cycle can be broken by working on eliminating estrogen and detoxifying estrogen and balancing estrogen. So for women who have these, all of these kinds of female health issues or are worried about uh, cancers, female cancers, or who have uh, pregnancy problems, estrogen, you know, I said progesterone is progestation, right? It helps to get pregnant. Estrogen is birth control. So when your estrogen is high, you're not going to be able to get pregnant. And so a lot of women who have this kind of syndrome uh, are the women who can't get pregnant. So if any of these issues are affecting you, uh, uh, estrogen issues, anxiety, night sweats, um, depression, weight loss, uh, weight gain, difficulty losing weight, problems with getting pregnant, fibroid cysts, endometriosis, fibromyalgia, think about eliminating estrogen and balancing it out with progesterone and detoxifying estrogen with uh, something called calcium deglucurate which is a, a wonderful detoxifier of estrogen, something, uh, broccoli, cauliflower, um, uh, selenium, vitamin C, magnesium, and then also balancing out estrogen and then making sure you're having regular bowel movements by using, uh, using more fiber. And so most of that is already our regular advice, by the way. If anybody is yeah. like, what do I actually do? This is our standard advice. Get off the bad foods so that you can absorb these nutrients and not burden in your body. Get on the 90 essential nutrients and all of those nutrients that were mentioned, um, except for broccoli and Bro progesterone. Bro these are all essential nutrients, selenium, magnesium, vitamin C, etc. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the neat things about selenium that nobody talks about. It balances out estrogen. It helps protect against excess estrogen. Let's take some questions. We have a whole bunch of questions here. Yeah, Ron. someone asked about uh, sunscreen, actually. And uh, I would really like to hear your opinion on that. I usually just say it's not necessary and it could be toxic. The sunscreens are terrible. If you ate a sunscreen, you'd have to get your stomach hurt. <laughs> I mean, I'm obviously you don't want to eat sunscreen. But, you know, do you really want something that's that toxic if you eat it on your skin? I don't think so. 
Uh, because the aim is to, well, not the aim, but I mean, the idea is it's probably going to be absorbed through the skin, yeah? Anybody who tells you to use a sunscreen, that's a red flag for ignorance. I, I hate to break, the, you know, I don't want to offend anybody here or step on any toes. Here's the thing. You don't oh, want skin. So if you're on a cruise, you're out playing golf, and you're at the beach, and all you have available to you is a sunscreen, wear it, and then just get it off your skin because you don't want to burn. Burning's never a good thing, all right? That being said, sun blocks are, are, are distinct from sunscreens. Sun blocks don't have toxicity. Sunscreens have tremendous toxicity. Sunscreens typically only block UVB rays. There's three main sun rays, UVA, UVB, and UVC. Most sunscreens are UVB blockers and leave you exposed to UVA. Now, there are some UVA blockers, but those are extra toxic. UVB blockers are toxic. UVA blockers are extra toxic. So you can get, a, you know, if you use, need a sunscreen, wear it, but get it off your skin and use a low SPF and then reapply. SPF is only a measure of duration, time. It's not a measure of potency. So a high SPF does, is not more potent than a low SPF. It just means you can, you can uh, leave it on longer. It's more effective longer. But you're exposing your skin to more toxicity. So best bet, use a sun block, zinc oxide. Zinc oxide, that's because zinc oxide not only blocks UVA, UVB, and UVC, all the rays, but it's also healing, and it's also soothing. So there's no reason not to, if you want to protect your skin, there's no reason not to use zinc oxide except for zinc oxide can make your skin a little white. So that's a, that's a kind of cosmetic or aesthetic issue that you got to deal with. I have a zinc oxide block, by the way, at uh, True Treatments called Xenoblock, which doesn't make you white, and it has... Uh, an SPF of almost 15 and it's uh, has vitamin C in it and that's what I that's what I use and that's what I recommend people use sunscreens only if absolutely necessary even dermatologists will say for babies and for children don't use a sunscreen why because babies and children have thinner skin and the sunscreen penetrates sunscreens not only the sunscreens are not only toxic for the skin they get into the blood they penetrate they're they're very lipophilic they're very fat soluble and there's they go in not only do they go in through the skin into the blood, but they pull other ingredients into the bloodstreams, like preservatives, for example. You'll get more penetration of preservatives into the bloodstream when you use a sunscreen. The preservatives so, that are in the product. In the itself. product, yeah. exactly, product. So really, uh, only when you absolutely, absolutely have no other option, use a sunscreen. The worst products are products like eye creams and face creams that have a built-in sunscreen, so that even if you're not in the sun, you're still wearing a sunscreen. So only wear a sunscreen if you absolutely need one. You don't want to burn, that is true wear low SPF, wash it off your face as soon as you, as soon as you don't need it anymore, and best bet, use a sunblock, not a sunscreen. Now, you mentioned, well, zinc oxide, first of all, is fat-soluble, and you've mentioned several zinc times oxide, over the years. Zinc oxide is a mineral. It doesn't, it doesn't penetrate. It's not, okay. not fat-soluble. I just meant to say that it's a fatty nutrient, but you've brought up many times that leaves don't get sunburned, right? And the, the connection it, between eating leaves and uh, what, natural sun blocking ability, is that what true? The leaves? What is in the leaves that protects I say plant. I say plants don't get sunburn, right? What is in the plants that protect them? Well, for sure, the magnesium and the chlorophyll. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Pigments. Colors. What we call beautiful colors, reds and blues and greens, are really photonic transducing systems. They take photonic light and they absorb it and they emit. They absorb light. The reason something is purple is because it absorbs all of the, all of the uh, frequencies except purple, and purple bounces off. The reason a, 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 a plant is red is because it absorbs all the frequencies except red, and it spits out red. That's why we see red. So in a way, when something is red, it's everything but red. Well, I mean, that's kind of interesting, right? When you see red, it's everything but red. Everything but red. Right? So, but the point is, is that these, these color systems absorb energy. And they, that's, what, that's one of their main functions. They have a couple of functions. They also act as attractants for insects. But one of their main functions is to protect the plant, which is very interesting because that tells you something. These colored substances will protect your skin. When you eat red, when you eat green, when you eat yellow, when you eat orange, when you eat these, these pigments from plants, from plants, from fruits and vegetables, they go into your digestive system, they go into your intestine, they go into your bloodstream, and they get deposited in your skin. You can actually, in Canada, I saw this, I, don't, I haven't seen it in the United States, but in Canada, I saw a, a tanning pills made with beta carotene. And you take beta carotene, and it makes your skin orange, <laughs> right? And so these pigments are, are, uh, can be used by the body, can be used by the skin to protect the skin from the sun. However, these pigments are fatty. And if you have a gallbladder issue, a liver issue, intestinal issue, malabsorption of fats, which many people do, especially as we get older, especially women as they get older, you're not going to absorb these pigments, and that means your skin may suffer. And that's one of the reasons why people get more sensitive and more, uh, more sensitive to the sun and more sun-related skin problems as they get older. So what you want to do is you want to eat your colored veggies, for sure, to protect your skin. It's one of the best ways to protect your skin. But... You want to braise your colored veggies in butter to release those colored those pigments, make it easier for your digestive system to absorb the beta carotene, to absorb the proanthocyanidin, which is purple, to absorb the betalin, which is red, to absorb the carotenes, which are orange, to absorb the nutrients or the pigments that are going to protect your skin. So always use butter with your vegetables and always use a little bit of heat to release those to help release those veggies. Here's another thing you do. There are nutrients you can that uh, there are vitamins uh, formulas that you can buy that protect your eyes from the sun. They're called things like Ocuvite. We have Vision FX from uh, Yongevity yep. or Ocutive from Yongevity. There's uh, eye supplements have nutrients in them that protect your eyes. That's why they sell them for macular degeneration. Macular degeneration is partially the result of of damage from the light to, on your macula. So using eye supplements not only will protect your eyes from the sun, they'll protect your skin from the sun as well. So if you're going out on a cruise or you're going to, you're, you're, uh, going to go on vacation to Cabo or you're going to be laying out in the sun or you're going to be playing a lot of golf or you're fair and you don't want to burn, one of the best ways to protect your skin from burning is to use eye vitamins. 
N-acetylcysteine is one of the all-time great eye vitamins. It's also great for your skin, for, to protect your skin from the sun. Selenium, taurine, vitamin A, vitamin E. These are all nutrients that you'll find in eye vitamins. They'll also protect your skin from the sun the same way they protect your eyes from the sun. Ben, while we're on this subject, I do want to get back to some drugs. I got some more drug questions here, but I find it very funny that in the time that I've been in the business, this is my seventh year in the business, uh, we've seen uh, vegetarianism turn into hardcore veganism, and now there's this big, huge movement coming in saying vegetables are bad, and it's yeah. all about the carnivore and everything. Yeah. And we're saying, look, guys, we're omnivores. You know, we've been saying this the, the entire time. Right. Um, can you please speak more about the benefits of vegetables, but also the importance of cooking them? As you mentioned, steaming the, well, you didn't mention steaming particularly, but steaming leafy vegetables. And it seems everybody in the mainstream medical world knows now and understands that steaming the vegetables, especially with a fat like butter, actually releases these nutrients yeah. into it. Yeah, steaming releases nutrients, number one, and also it releases sugars. So when you steam a vegetable or heat a vegetable, it releases the sugars. It makes it taste sweeter. It's, it's, it's more palatable. The bitter compounds break down a little bit when, when they're steamed. So steaming vegetables or braising them even, you don't want to overdo it, but just a little bit of braising, a little bit of steaming can make them more palatable and make them more, nutri make them more nutritionally valuable. Um, but this whole idea of, the, of a carnivore diet just cracks me up. It is, it's, I think it's, it's funny it's too. Those, you know, I've talked to some of these guys on my radio show. I had, a, I had one big carnivore guy. I read his book and I said, I, you know, I couldn't believe what he said. And so I had to have him on the radio show. And he was very non-convincing. You know, so they tell you that you don't need fiber. They say there's no need for fiber because, and I don't know how they possibly come up with this idea, but they always say that you don't need fiber because you can have regular bowel movements without fiber. Completely missing the point that fiber is broken down by, pro, by good bacteria, not only to feed the good bacteria, but also to, reduce, to uh, produce wonderful fatty compounds that are important for your brain, important for bodybuilding, important for your immune system. So fiber is really important. You're not going to get that from the carnivore diet. Vitamin C is very important. You're not going to get that from the carnivore diet. There's no real, except for eggs have a little bit of vitamin C, but other than that, there's no vitamin C really in, in meats. So you're going to miss out on vitamin C. And then there's these things called phytonutrients. Phytonutrients they're really essential. We don't call them essential because when the essential nutrients were discovered, the vitamins and the minerals, the amino acids and the, and the fatty acids in the 1930s and the 1940s, we didn't really have detection mechanisms. We didn't really have uh, electron microscopes and really high powered detection tools to see these phytonutrients, which are only uh, in, in plants in trace, 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 trace amounts. But they're so important for health and well-being. They're so important for the liver. They're so important for stress management. These phytonutrients play a role as adaptogens. These phytonutrients help the body adapt to the environment. An adaptogen is a substance that helps the body deal with stress. And these phytonutrients are wonderfully anti-stress. And you're going to be completely missing them in the carnivore diet. You might get a little bit of them, depending on the kind of meats you're eating. But you're going to miss a lot by missing out by a... Uh, by uh, not in incorporating vegetables in your diet, you're going to be missing out on an opportunity to drench your body with phytonutrients. Now, there are things in vegetables that can be problematic. As we said many times, living things on earth don't want to be eaten. So plants have evolved this chemical warfare to punish the eater of those plants. Things like lectins, for example, gluten is a classic mm. example of a, a plant defensive molecule. So a lot of inflammatory diseases can be, and skin diseases can be caused by compounds and vegetables. So sometimes people 
will find that when they go carnivore, all of a sudden they don't have arthritis anymore, or all of a sudden their skin improves. But, and that's true, but that doesn't Usually short term. Yeah, and you don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, okay, yes, you're right. There are lectins that can be a problem. So find vegetables that don't have problematic lectins. Or cook them, cook them out. Sprouting and fermenting and soaking are great ways to help reduce the lectin contents of foods. So, you know, it's a mixed bag. But to me, there's so many wonderful comp, uh, nutritional compounds in vegetables. It seems crazy to just completely avoid them and, and try to eat meat. Here's another thing about the carnivore diet. The carnivore diet, uh, you could meet all the criteria of the carnivore diet by going to McDonald's, by eating bacon, by eat, going to yeah. Speedway or King Supers and getting your, your steaks. So, yes, it's true that human beings evolved eating meat, but they, we evolved eating meat. We didn't evolve eating Safeway meat or eating McDonald's meat. We didn't evolve eating fast food and Kentucky Fried Chicken meat. We evolved, Which is very high fat and not as, uh, yeah. not as properly balanced with the proteins. And the hormones and the antibiotics and the factory farming and the stress chemicals. All of these things that are, that are in the meat. So if you want to go carnivore, go out and hunt. And find grass-fed meat that you're, you know, that you're killing yourself and butchering yourself. Or at least find grass-fed, antibiotic-free antibiotic -free and hormone-free meat. That's the way to do the carnivore diet. If you're going to do the carnivore diet, make sure that the dairy you're eating is hormone-free and it's not homogenized and it's not pasteurized. And it's raw. And, you know, you got to be really careful with it. So you can't go to the carnivore. You can't use the carnivore diet by going to King Supers is what I'm saying. So if you're going to go carnivore, it seems crazy to me to miss out on all these wonderful compounds that are in fruits and veggies. But uh, if you're going to do car carnivore, you know, be careful with the kind of carnivore products, carnivore food products that you're ingesting. Let's jump back into drugs. Yes. I wanted to talk about, well, I wanted to talk about hormone therapy, but you kind of did. We, we made a post a few days ago. It went like semi-viral. So we got a whole oh, yeah? bunch of questions about hormone replacement. And I'd basically say never, ever do it. You know, I don't know if you would go that strongly, but I've seen, and, and a lot of women actually commented, just like you said, that it improved their symptoms yeah. for, for one reason or another. But uh, I have seen it destroy lives, absolutely destroy lives. If you, I would do, if you're going to do hormone therapy, I would start off with the non-toxic hormones, which are progesterone, basically, and pregnenolone, and DHEA. As we get older, DHEA can be very valuable. And for bodybuilders and athletes, DHEA can be very valuable. Sometimes people have side effects from DHEA. There's a form of DHEA called 7-keto DHEA, which has less side effects. And, some, and sometimes people get away, you know, can, can use that one if they can't use regular DHEA. So nonetheless, if you have uh, hormone issues as you get older, Go with progesterone and pregnenolone and DHEA first, or 7-keto DHEA, and estrogen as a last resort. And if you're going to do estrogen, do the smallest dose that you need. Let's talk about chemotherapy. I hate the word therapy in there. It feels like they can just throw therapy on it, and it sounds good. But like, yeah. what if you called it poison therapy, which is what I really kind of yeah. feel that it is. Could you tell us a little bit about chemotherapy? Yeah. yeah here's the, let's talk about cancer first of all, okay? So yeah. cancer, chemo, first of all, chemotherapy is kind of a generic term because any kind of drug therapy is chemotherapy. But I assume you mean drug uh, cancer chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. so here's the deal. What is cancer? Cancer is, first of all, there's no such thing as breast cancer. There's no such thing as prostate cancer. There's no such thing as skin cancer. There's no such thing as pancreatic cancer. There's no These are growths. There's no such thing as, as, as uh, neuro, neurological cancer. Is, is that shocking to you? You should be shocked. No, no, I, not me. I th they think these are problems of growth. They're not necessarily. They, they, no, there's nothing to do. Nothing in common with like 
leukemia or something like that. No, I don't no, even no. know why they call all these things cancer. Let me tell you what I mean by that, okay? There's no such thing as breast cancer, but there's breast cell cancer. Okay. There's prostate cell cancer. There's pancreatic cell cancer. See, when we think of cancer, we think of an organ, and that allows us to take out the organ. That allows, you see, you got a cancer in the organ, we'll just take the out. Problem the problem wasn't in the organ. The problem's not the organ, it's the cell. Cancer is a cellular issue. Cancer is the end result of a cell that is completely under duress. What happens is cells have needs, right? They're living entities, they have needs, but they don't have a lot of needs, they have three needs. Main needs of a cell, the three needs of a cell are food, oxygen, and a clean place to do its work, right? The only three things that can go wrong with a cell are starvation, suffocation, and toxification. That's the only thing that can go wrong with a cell. Under ordinary circumstances, when a cell is toxic or when it's starved or when it's suffocated, it's going to die. And, so, and, and that's a good thing because you don't want a cell that is dysfunctional because it's starved or suffocated or toxic per perpetuating itself. However, every once in a while, one slips through. A cancer, it, doesn't get, it doesn't die. It slips through, and instead of dying, it starts to reproduce. But it doesn't reproduce like an ordinary cell. It reproduces like a primitive cell. There's two kinds of cells. There's primitive cells. Uh, they're technically called prokaryotes. Karyote means cell. Pro means primitive. And eukaryotes. Karyote means cell. EU. U means good or advanced. So you have eukaryotes, which are all the cells in our body. Plant cells are eukaryotes. Fungal cells are eukaryotes. And then you have prokaryotes, which are bacterial cells. Prokaryotes are primitive. They can't do anything except divide. A bacteria will never form an organ. Bacteria just divide, they form films, right? So a eukaryote is very advanced, and it's, it, because it's so advanced, it kind of, it can become a liver, it can become bone, it can become a heart, it has functionality. Prokaryotes have no functionality, they just divide. They don't have an organizational structure, they're very basic, they're very primitive. All they can do is divide, bacteria just divide. Bacteria don't have a functionality, they just divide, they form films, but they don't form organs. In order for a prokaryote or a eukaryote to be, do its business, to become advanced, it needs to have lots of energy, lots of nutrition, lots of oxygen. It needs to have a clean place to do its work. When it's starved, when it's suffocated, when it's toxic, it will go, if it doesn't die, it will go back to becoming a prokaryote. It will go back to becoming primitive. It will become a primitive cell. A cancer cell is a primitive cell. It's more like a bacteria than it is like an organ. It's almost as if your cells are saying, you know what, you have been starving me, you have been suffocating me, you have been uh, toxifying me with sugar and cigarette smoke and nasty things in the water. I'm not going to be a liver. I'm tired of this. No, they just gave up on being a breast cell. Get it. I'm not going to be a breast anymore. I'm just going to go out and divide. Here's, here's <laughs> you know. So, so anyway, I'm just teasing. But it's almost like we've been punishing the cell. The cell is at its wit's end. It doesn't know what else to do. So what we want to really be doing is loving the cell, nurturing the cell. But because we don't see this as a cellular phenomena, what we do when we have cancer is we kill the cell or we radiate the cell or we uh, poison the cell with, with drugs. We, instead of nurturing the cell and loving the cell and figuring out how to take care of the cell, we kill it. And that's what chemotherapy does. Chemotherapy kills your cells. It kills us. By design, but, that's what they're trying to do. Those cancer cells are your cells. Chemotherapy drugs are cytotoxic. They kill cells. Now, all drugs, by the way, are cytotoxic. 
But chemotherapy drugs, their intent is to kill cells. The problem is the drug can't distinguish between the healthy cells and the, and the cancer cells. Now, in fairness, chemotherapy drugs are specifically designed to kill fast-growing uh, cells. So they target cells, they target the growth cycle of cells, so they're specific for cells that divide very rapidly. The problem is, it's not just cancer cells that divide very rapidly, it's your digestive cells that divide very rapidly. So cancer cells are specifically hard on the digestive system. That's why people get nausea when mm. they have chemotherapy, because they're specifically damaging for the cells of your digestive tract. They're specifically damaging for the cells of your immune system. So cancer chemotherapy drugs are notoriously immune suppressant. Cancer cells are notoriously damaging to the skin because likewise, the skin, skin cells are dividing very rapidly. So when you're taking a chemotherapy drug, it's very difficult for the drug to specifically distinguish between your skin, between your digestive, uh, your, your intestines. Impossible, drugs aren't smart. They're not smart. So you end up with toxicity and side effects. And to compound all of that, chemotherapy is a very poor way to control cancer and the success rate of chemotherapy drugs are notoriously low. So it's not really a great way to go. I have a friend, and you know him, I think, Farmer Glenn. I don't know if you know Farmer Glenn. I don't think he I do. He was working with, you know, he was a farmer, and he was working with a lot of toxic chemicals. I do. Life. I've met him. I've met him. Right? Yes. Guy. Diagnosed with stage four stomach cancer, right? He gave him, like, months to live. This was a year ago or eight months ago. He is doing great. He is out farming. He's out walking around. He, is, he, he was on a feeding tube for a while or a, a stomach tube for a while. He took that out. You wouldn't even know he has cancer. Stage four stomach cancer. He's been doing the Mighty 90 for decades, and uh, he's continuously doing the Mighty 90, and he's doing all kinds of nutritional supplements and doing everything right. He looks great. So God forbid you have cancer. I, I'm not going to put myself in a position if somebody has cancer. I pray to God I never have it. We all live under the sword of Damocles. You know, you never know when that sword's going to drop. We all breathe the air. We all drink the water. You know, there's toxicity everywhere. We have a, a, a stress-filled lifestyle. You know, cancer is something that we, the, the threat of cancer is something that we all live with. And I'm not going to put myself in that position. But, and I'm not going to judge anybody who's in that position. But if you have uh, cancer, your job is to make your body stronger every day, day by day, one day at a time, to feel better every day, to feel better, uh, to have more energy every day, to be stronger every day. That's your job. Forget the cancer. That doesn't even matter. Your job is to be stronger every day, to be healthier every day, to be more vital every day. And that requires the mighty 90 essential nutrients, breathing, exercise, meditation, spirituality, emotional and mental strategies, visualization, all of the things, you know, Ryan, that we have to do anyway. Except yeah. you have, if you have cancer, you have to do it with more vigilance and with more intent and, and with, with greater attention. So, you know, to have, if you have cancer, that's an opportunity to really take your, your, your health challenges in your own hand. Chemotherapy, I'm not, like I say, I'm not judging anybody. I'm not going to put myself in that position. I don't know what I would do. I, I'm not going to say, I'm not, not going to say what I would do or what anybody else should do, but chemotherapy is not going to help you for the most part. What will help you is a clean lifestyle, nutritional supplementation, and exercise and movement and all the things we talk about all the time to stay healthy. And you know what? It's five o'clock. I get ready for my radio show here. Ryan, I don't know if we if we answered. We probably didn't answer all the. Oh, it's impossible to. The more we go, the more questions that come on. I had a whole bunch of questions that we didn't get to, but uh, this has been phenomenal. Right? We should every time we do it, people say that you should do this every week. But all right, as much as we can, I, I agree. We'll do it as much as we can. I'm sorry if we didn't get to any questions. Did we get to anybody's questions? 
Uh, we, we covered sunscreen and steroids. You know, yeah. that's, that's good. This is detailed. Anyways, this all makes sense for the whole body. Anyways, if you're nourishing your body to take care or to get, I don't know even if we can say get rid of cancer in that context, but if you're nourishing your body in order to not have cancer anymore, but, you're also nourishing your body to not have arthritis and diabetes and a blood sugar problem uh -huh. and all this other stuff. Yes. And what is of the, course, I would love to go into more detail, but. The last thing I'll say, and then I got to go. Think about this. There's you and then there's your body. It's like, almost like you're in your body and your body is like your your ride you know it's like your it's your coach it's carrying you through this life it's allowing you to have pleasure sensual pleasure in this physical world physical reality we live in and it's almost like we are mandated to take care of it like we take care of a baby their body's like a baby you know when your baby cries what do you do do you cut your baby's tongue out you know do you give your baby drugs you poison your baby yeah you might have to hear him cry anymore if you poison him or you cut his tongue out but you know, that's not love, that's not nurturing. Our, our bodies are crying out to us to be loved, to be nurtured, to be nourished. And that's, what we want, that's how we want to look at health, our health challenges, an opportunity to love and to nurture and to nourish the body. All right, my friend, good to talk to you. Thank you everybody on uh, Ryan's feed here. And ben, I appreciate you so much. We will have to do this again. I've just, you generated a million questions for me too. So All right. I know we're gonna get a bunch of messages as and well. It's gonna be on my radio program next Sunday. Next Sunday, it's Brightside Ben, by the way. Brightside Ben. You do that five days a week? No, I, I stopped doing it five days a week. I'm only on weekends now. Only on weekends? Yeah. Oh, that's okay. There's a huge archives. There's Brightsideben.com? Yes, Brightsideben.com. Sweet. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, Ryan. Appreciate you, Ben. Take care, brother. All right, everybody. Ben's gone. But I will mention that everything that we said there is pretty much what we say all the time. We recommend keeping your body healthy, not by drugs you know ben just went into a pretty excruciating detail there on many of the reasons why the drugs aren't the answer right drugs just simply they're not going to be nourishing the body they're not going to be oxygenating the body they're not going to be doing anything about your stress levels if anything dealing with the medical model is going to be increasing your stress and although he didn't mention it he mentions it all the time that there's two primary modes that the body is in it's either in fight or flight or rest and digest and the fight or flight is called the sympathetic nervous system. And the rest and digest is called the parasympathetic nervous system. So very simply, if you're stressed out, you're not resting and digesting or resting and restoring. You're not healing. The body's not trying to heal and digest if it's being stressed out all the time. And, you know, it's worth mentioning that our society tends to keep us in this stress mode all the time. We do need stress. We need stress to get out of bed. We need stress to address imminent threats that are right in front of us, right? This is part of life. There's yin, yin and yang. There's both sides of this is important. Again, without the stress, we wouldn't do anything. We wouldn't have any motivation to do anything. But we do need to activate this parasympathetic healing mode more often. You know, we wake up, we start stressing ourselves out right away, get on the phone right away, see all this stressful stuff or the stimulating stuff that's not relaxing, get in the car, you know, don't give ourselves enough time to get where we need to go. It stresses us out. Stay at work. It's stressful, etc. I know everybody talks about that stress thing, but that's how it fits into it. That if you are stressed out all the time, you're just simply not resting and digesting. Even with these 90 essential nutrients that we talk about, uh, if you're putting them into a body that's constantly stressed, what's your body doing with it? Probably not that much, right? It's focused on fight or flight. It's focused on dealing with an imaginary threat most of the time. Most of the things that are stressing us out aren't even a threat at all. They're, they're not, they have no correlation to the natural environment. So simple things like deep breathing, 
saunas. I just saw a post today, you know, about the magnificent benefits of you know, four to seven saunas a week. Well, why? Because it forces you into this parasympathetic mode. You can mimic this in your own shower, you know, uh, spending time with loved ones, petting animals, you know, petting, a, petting your cat, setting time out to do these things that are not just relaxing, but they're taking you away from whatever it is that's stressing you out. You got to turn it off. You got you to go into the healing mode. And it can be very, very simple, but it, most of the time it has to be consciously done in this type of society or it's just not going to be done. Everything else that he mentioned, pretty much all of the nutrients that he mentioned are either essential nutrients or they're stuff that your body derives itself. Even though there are major benefits to those uh, non-harmful steroids that he was talking about, like progesterone, your body can produce its own progesterone. So maybe, it, maybe you do want to boost that for a little while, but it's not something you want to do forever. He mentioned that at the beginning. There's basically no circumstance where long-term pharmaceutical use, even in a safe pharmaceutical, is going to benefit you, even though it can benefit you short-term. Again, the greatest examples of that is going to be painkillers, right? You, you want to do it short-term. You want to relieve this massive stress, this massive pain, especially you get hit by a car or something, so you can go into the rest and, and restore I am going to end this, but I also wanted to mention, we didn't talk about antibiotics very much, but antibiotics are the one class of drugs that actually does directly deal with the thing that it's supposed to do. It'll kill the pathogen. And I myself, I wrote about it in my book, Fake Diseases, uh, an incident where I, I was uh, bitten by fleas. And I woke up and I was bleeding from every orifice that I had. And I don't think I would have survived at all without antibiotics. They saved my life very, very quickly. So the antibiotics and painkillers, they can be the two types of things that really, really can save your life. And uh, they are a miracle. But everything else, you know, people are on blood sugar drugs, blood pressure drugs, and all, all this kind of stuff for weeks, months, years, decades, and it's not doing them any good. It goes right back to our basic message. Avoid the bad foods that are clogging the system up and attacking the body Take the 90 essential nutrients that allows your body to do all the stuff it's supposed to do anyways, including having healthy cells and so on and so on. Now, Ben mentioned three things that the cell needs. Good food, which is the 90 essential nutrients. And sugar, by the way. Your body takes food, protein, fat, carbs, turns it into sugar to feed the cells. So it needs that. It needs oxygen, and it needs a clean environment. The clean environment sounds obvious. You avoid the toxins, including the bad foods. The oxygen is a big one that I think we should get to on another day. Things that will oxygenate the blood can have uh, amazing health benefits. And I do think that the modern environment is something that greatly reduces our oxygen. Aside from products, the main thing that anybody can do anywhere, anytime to improve the oxygenation of their blood is to deep breathe. And it sounds so simple, but we love promoting the simple strategies here because you do need to buy the supplements. You can't escape that. That's the one thing you do need to buy. But all these other things, you know, avoiding the bad foods is free. Conscious stress reduction is free. And deep breathing has a double benefit because it does improve the oxygenation of the blood. Your cells need that oxygen. They thrive on that oxygen. But it also relaxes you. And I've, known, I've been practicing deep breathing for a number of years. And as soon as I started doing it, they call it conscious breathing. As soon as I started doing it, I started realizing that myself and most people throughout the day we're not filling our lungs completely, right? The lungs are usually being filled halfway and they're being expelled halfway. Halfway, 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 halfway. We got all this old stagnant air down at the bottom. We gotta take the full breath to 
fully expand the lungs and then fully expel that. This is the simplest free thing that anybody can do to reduce their stress levels basically immediately and improve the oxygenation of the blood. And if there's only three things that the cell needs, food, oxygen, and a clean environment, that's taking care of one of them right away. And if it is helping you relax, it is helping you move into that rest, digest, and restore mode, which is your natural healing mode. Remember, the body can heal itself. And if we put a personality into our body, we assume that the body wants to heal itself. So all we need to do is help that process along. Sometimes it's missing those nutrients. Well, there isn't enough nutrients in our food environment. That's like most of our message. So it's missing the nutrients it needs to do its job properly. Doesn't have enough oxygen. We can change that very quickly. And usually it's living in a toxic environment and we could change that as well. Some of these things might make time, uh, might take time to fully see the result of it, but some of them can be very, very, very quick, especially with that nutrification and the oxygenation. I think the toxicity one is going to take a little bit longer. Last point here before I go, Ben, he always brings up the liver. And right? he's always talking about the liver. And then we get a bunch of messages that are like, well, how do I support the liver? The 90 essential nutrients. He mentioned selenium. That's one of them. His key. Liver health is largely dependent on selenium, not just that one nutrient. It has multiple cofactors. This is why we say the 90 essential nutrients. But when you increase your selenium, you are improving your body's ability to naturally detoxify itself, partially because that's what the liver needs to be strong and healthy. You can cut the liver out 90% or more, and it can grow back completely. It's such an amazing organ, and it's trying to do its job. It's, one of, it's numerous jobs, and one of them is to detoxify. So we can support that process just by doing everything that we normally recommend. Get off the bad foods. Get on the 90 essential nutrients. Be conscious. Be mindful about your stress and uh, your relationship with the things in the world that are stressing you out. And there really is not that much to it. I know this talk was supposed to be mostly about drugs, but uh, inevitably it goes back to this. It goes back to the fact that you are in control and uh, you're in control of deciding what goes in your body, including whatever your doctor recommends to you or us. You can take whoever's advice you like, but uh, make sure you're moving towards this process of neutrifying the cells, oxygenating the cells, getting rid of toxins and allowing your body to be in the mode that it naturally heals in. All right, I hope you enjoyed that talk. I always enjoy listening to Ben. I always learn something new. Absolute fountain of knowledge. And you can find him on Instagram at truth.treatments, truthtreatments.com, and thetruthrx.com. And if you do want our advice about your health, that's what we do. We have a contact page, wallexwarriors.ca. Contact, it's in the description of this podcast. On that page, there's a questionnaire. You can fill out that questionnaire and email it to one of the coaches on the page. And we'll give you our best advice about what to eat, what not to eat, supplements we recommend, and anything else that might be relevant to your case. We do get paid if you do choose to buy the supplements, but the service is free. You can get our advice for free. And of course, you can find everything that I do, including an archive of this podcast on my website, notusbooks.org. And there is actually a special treat at the very end of those episodes if you do listen on the archive, and you can download them there for free as well. So those listening to the archive, stick around after I sign out. And you can see these episodes early on Patreon. All the episodes post at least one week early on Patreon, and that is the best way to directly support this podcast. There is a little bit of extra content there as well, including our weekly Zoom meetings where we usually deep dive on specific health cases, specific nutrients and products, and specific diseases. That's patreon.com slash therealnotus. 
and of course all these links are in the description. And I think that's it for now. I appreciate you. Stay healthy. Until next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.